0: Just then a carriage pulled up and out stepped Uncle Patrick Henry. He tucked his book of common prayer under his arm and walked toward the brick home. Adieu, mes amis. It is time for me to attend the wedding, Liz said. But you'll be seen, lass, Max warned as Liz started walking toward the house. Liz smiled and lifted her curly-cute tail high in the air as she walked away. Hui! this is the plan. How else can I give my Henry his wedding gift? Moi. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast with your hosts, Max, Liz, and Nigel. This podcast is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm your narrator, Denny Brownlee. By the way, as you listen to this episode from the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and the Key, Keep in mind, you can download your very own copy of it by visiting Audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you'll find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, epicorderofthe On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 29 of The Voice, The Revolution, and the Key, entitled Love and War. Hmm. Interesting title, since we'll all be attending a wedding... Uh, Anyway, uh, later, in a very special Jenny's Corner. We'll hear the story of her ill-fated visit to the exact house, the exact room, where Patrick and Sally Henry got married over 250 years earlier. Things did not go as well as you might expect. In the end, all charges were dropped. But we'll have those details later in the program. But right now, let's bring out our hosts. First, he may not be the best man, but he's man's best friend. Here's Max. Greetings, lads and lasses. Next, the French feline who, no matter what the occasion, she always wears her black formal attire. Here's Liz. Bonjour, mes amis. And last, but certainly not least, unless you're going by weight, today's master of ceremonies, here's Nigel. Greetings, all, and uh, thank you for those incomparable introductions. Don't mention it. I shan't. Uh, well, I say, big day for the Henry and Shelton households, what? we? Oui, I love this chapter because I love a good wedding. You mean as opposed to a bad wedding? Max! Well, let's face it, lass. Weddings don't always go as planned. Right, Ha, <laughs> Indeed. Last year, I attended my cousin Reginald's wedding. It was held in the historic Canterbury Cathedral. Oh, my. That is one of England's most beautiful churches. Uh, indeed. However... Unbeknownst to all of us, uh, Cousin Reggie hadn't exactly gone through the proper channels to secure such a prestigious edifice, and, uh, well... Oh dear, what happened? In short, a truck arrived filled with chaps dressed in dark blue jumpsuits, and emblazoned on the side of the truck was the moniker which simply stated, The Verminator. Uh Uh-oh, what did all ye wee mousies do then? Well, of course, we invited them in for tea. What do you think we did? We, we ran for our ever-loving lives. Oh, my! Was everyone okay? Uh, miraculously, yes. We mice have a time-tested method of escape. Uh, simply put, everyone scurries in a different direction, thus confusing this would-be uh, verminator. Fortunately, human weddings are far better planned many weeks in advance. Huh. Ever been to a dog wedding, then? Now, them can be rough, like a couple of years ago. Kate's niece were getting married, and so we attended it. She married a fella named Rex, a golden retriever. Oh, they would make good husbands. Aye, he's a fine lad, but at the reception, with a family of golden retrievers? When Kate's bonny niece threw the bouquet, the lass that chased it down brought it back to her. And she threw it again, and the next lass brought it back to her, threw it, brought it back, threw it, brought it back, threw it I think we get the idea. I say, those retriever lasses we rather, uh, rather fetching, what? ah <laughs> uh, right. Uh, did anyone actually keep the bouquet? Nah. After 15 minutes of play and fetch with the bouquet, it were all slobbered up. I say. Ew. Aye. So, we Scotties just buried it, then. Well, I think it is safe to say, the Henry Shelton wedding probably fared much better, no? Uh, who's Henry Shelton? Uh, no, 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 dear boy. Patrick Henry and Sally Shelton. Anyway, in that spirit... Dearly beloved, we are gathered here for the continuing saga of the voice, the revolution, and the key. And so I say, do you, announcer chap, vow to read the next chapter, forsaking all other chapters, at least for this episode? I do. Chapter 29 Love and War Rural Plains Hanover October 1754 Clary and Max were back in Hanover with Liz and Nigel for the time being. The animals needed to regroup and get caught up on the news about their respective missions. They sat in a grove of trees, watching the humans starting to arrive at the Shelton home on this beautiful fall day. Today was to be a turning point in the life of Patrick Henry. Nigel beamed as he rolled up and down on the balls of his feet. I'm simply delighted to report that, in addition to his worldwide fame, Benjamin Franklin has been given honorary degrees from Harvard and Yale. Also, the Royal Society of London awarded him the Golden Copley Medal for his discoveries on lightning and electricity. A tower was finally erected on the Pennsylvania State House, with a magnificent bell hung there to ring out over Philadelphia. Mr. Franklin promptly installed one of his lightning rods in the tower, so now when the bell rings in a storm, the building will be kept safe. Nigel preened his whiskers proudly. Isn't it amazing what one single spark of electricity can do? "'Bravo, mon ami!' Liz cheered. "'I am very happy for Mr. Franklin.' "'Aye, good for your turkey-frying lad,' Max added. "'Me George also ignited a spark, but for a war here in America.'" "'This war will not be fought just in America, Max,' Clary explained. "'The spark that George Washington ignited in the French and Indian War in America will spread quickly. "'It will grow into a blazing fire to cover the entire world. "'France and Great Britain will fight in Europe.'" and wherever they have imperial interests around the globe. America, Europe, India, even at sea, and in the Caribbean islands, all the way to Barbados. So, George Washington started a worldwide war? Max asked. Well, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it all the way, I always say. "Moses Franklin and me Washington be famous now, but for different things. The Scotty shook his large head. <sighs> Poor George we're so humiliated by his surrender at Fort Necessity, and Dinwiddie only made it worse. The militia soldiers deserted all the way back to Williamsburg, so Dinwiddie wants to start a new army of Virginia regulars to be over any militia. He offered George a command, but with a lower rank, so George said no thanks. He resigned his commission and went back home to be a farmer. After all the dangers, I've seen that lad face. Indian snipers, snowstorms, rugged wilderness, icy rivers, battles, and French bullets. Seems like farming will be a waste of a grand soldier. My Henry will also now become a farmer, Liz added with a wrinkled brow. It is not clear to see how he will ever become famous like Franklin and Washington or how he will become the great leader that Gilliman says he will be. Is anything ever clear at first? Clarie asked with a grin. In addition to all you saw George go through, Max, he also developed smallpox on Barbados. I wanted to protect him from getting the virus, but Gilliman said in the long run the smallpox would protect him. I didn't understand it at the time, but now I see that the immunity George got from his illness has and will continue to protect him in war. "'This makes terribly good sense, my dear,' Nigel noted. "'By the way, how was it that you knew George would get the smallpox in the first place?' "'Gilliman said George was intentionally exposed to the virus,' Clary explained. "'Some creature wanted the virus to kill him, but Gilliman didn't say what or who.' "'Max, Liz, and Nigel looked at one another in alarm. "'So it's like he were poisoned with the virus.' "'Max pointed out. "'What's the enemy intended for evil? "'The Maker intended for good, just as with Joseph,' Liz marveled. "'C'est incredible.' "'Indeed. "'Attacks, illness, failure, suffering, and even sorrow "'are all tools in the Maker's workshop to chisel his chosen humans into greatness,' "'Nigel exclaimed, using an imaginary chisel to shape an imaginary statue.' "'All three of your humans will experience highs and lows in the coming years,' Clary added. "'Always remember that failure and heartache, when wrapped in the blanket of grace, "'bring gifts to the soul that can't be experienced in any other way. "'Before the Maker uses anyone to any great degree, "'he must break them completely to empty them of themselves. "'Only in this way can great men truly depend on the Maker "'and accomplish great things for him,' ...that they couldn't accomplish on their own. "'Again, as we saw with Joseph in Egypt, no?' Liz noted. "'He had to be emptied of himself in slavery and prison... ...before he was ready to be made the second highest ruler in Egypt... ...so he could save the nations from drought and famine.' "'Aye, hard times make you slow down,' Max added. "'And when you slow down, you have time to figure things out.' "'Exactly, Max.' Agreed Clarie. It's in the hard times that humans discover who they really are and what they truly are called to become. Since Patrick's store failed and closed, I know he must try something else, but I cannot see how farming will lead him to his voice. Wondered Liz. I was expecting the fiddle's riddle about the tavern to come next. Clarie smiled. Every phase of life is a stepping stone. ''George and Patrick may be farmers for now, but they won't use their plowshares for long.'' Nigel frowned and quoted the Book of Joel. ''They will turn their plowshares into swords.'' I war be comin'. Max added. Liz shook her head and held up her paw as she heard laughter coming from the Shelton home. ''Enough talk about war. I wish to talk about love on this happy day. My Henry is getting married.'' "'Ah, too bad your al can't be here, lass,' Max said with a grin. "'You know how he loves weddings.' "'How splendid it will be to witness the tender nuptials of the young couple,' "'Nigel declared with his paw over his heart. "'It is fortunate their parents finally agreed for them to wed, "'despite their reservations.' "We, Patrick is eighteen and Sarah is only sixteen, "'which is much younger than most couples. "'But they are in love,' gushed Liz.' And this marriage made sense to help my Henry figure out his next step in life. Sarah's father has given them the Pine Slash farm, so they have a place to live, and he has a new line of work. I'm happy for the lad, Max agreed. Gilliman told me to get back to keep watch over George, so I'm glad Patrick has Nelson to help him on the farm. I need to be going as well, Clary added. It's time for me to do some gardening in the south of France. "'in preparation for Kate's next mission. "'She'll be with the family of Lafayette "'in their chateau, called Chivagnac. "'Gardening in the south of France?' "'Liz perked up, wide-eyed. "'Oh, mon ami, how I wish I could be there with you and Kate! "'But my place is here with my Henry. Uh, "'What kind of gardening will you be doing?' "'Rest assured my gardening will help your Henry some day, "'promised Clary.' drawing a puzzled expression from Liz. "'The kind of gardening I'll be doing is more the master planning, not planting kind, (laughs) placing benches, fountains, statues.' "'And I am to remain with Liz for the time being, correct?' Nigel asked. "'Yes, you will be with Liz and Patrick Henry until you rejoin Benjamin Franklin at a later date,' Clarie explained, "'or until you're needed,' for any side missions that arise. Just then a carriage pulled up and out stepped Uncle Patrick Henry. He tucked his book of common prayer under his arm and walked toward the brick home. Adieu, amis! It is time for me to attend the wedding, Liz said, kissing Max and Clary on the cheek. But you'll be seen, lass, Max warned as Liz started walking toward the house. Liz smiled and lifted her curly-cute tail high in the air as she walked away. Oui, this is the plan. How else can I give my Henry his wedding gift? Moi. Sally Shelton, Jane Henry, and sisters Elizabeth and Sarah Strong giggled as they fussed with Sally's dress and hair. The other six Henry sisters, Anne, Sarah, Susanna, Lucy, Mary, and Elizabeth, sat around on the settee and chairs, excitedly watching the bride get ready for her wedding to their brother. I love your dress, Sally," complimented Jane, brushing Sally's hair with the silver brush Patrick had given her. Well, you can borrow it whenever Sam Meredith gets around asking you to marry him," replied Sally. It's only a matter of time. Jane blushed and smiled. I'm happy we've known our beaux since childhood. It's been fun, all of us growing up together. Elizabeth Strong held Patrick's mirror for Sally. I wish Sarah and I could say the same. I don't know who we'll find to marry here in Hanover. You two are even younger than I am. Give it time, Sally assured them with a smile, lightly pinching her cheeks for color as she looked into the mirror. Maybe your husbands aren't in Hanover at all. Elizabeth's sister, Sarah, handed Sally a pin for her hair. Maybe we'll need to go find them elsewhere. Or maybe... Sally encouraged her with a smile, twirling a daisy to put in her hair. They'll come to you. Patrick sat on a chair in the parlour, wiping his sweaty palms on his trousers. Nelson nudged him with his nose, and Patrick smiled. He petted the dog on the head and whispered This is our big day, boy. I'm glad I got the girl with the dog. Nelson wagged his tail happily. A word, pet? John Henry said, sitting down next to his nervous son, I am grateful to John Shelton for giving ye the dowry of Pineslash. Three hundred acres and six slaves is a fine beginning for ye to farm. He frowned and leaned forward. I wish I were in a better situation right now to give ye something equally grand. I promise to give ye fresh land further west in Louisa County as soon as I can. Patrick put his hand on his father's arm. Thank you, father. "'Sally and I will be grateful for your gift "'whenever it is convenient for you to give it. "'I'm sorry the store you helped Bill and me to start failed. "'I truly hope this time I can make you proud "'by making my way as a tobacco farmer.' "'He furrowed his brow. "'But I have to admit that I feel uncomfortable owning slaves. "'I know they are a necessary part of our existence as farmers, "'but it doesn't sit well with me.' "'John nodded. "'I understand, Pat. It is an unfortunate reality, but I'm sure you'll be kind to them, as your mother and I have always been to ours. Uh, besides, the work that lies ahead in clearing that sandy pine-scrubbed soil to farm will primarily fall on your shoulders. Aside from the older woman, Esther, who can help Sally with the kitchen and run in the house, the others are very young and won't be of much use to you in the fields.' Somehow that makes me feel better about this business, Patrick replied with a smile. He suddenly heard the voice of his Uncle Patrick among the other guests his mother was greeting in the foyer. Uncle Patrick is here to perform our ceremony. Perhaps it's best that Reverend Samuel Davies is in London right now. I know Mother would have wanted him here as well. <laughs> I. the last thing we need is a war in the middle of your wedding, joked John with a chuckle. Sarah Henry peered in the parlor with a wide smile. "'Pat, I have a surprise for you.' William Winston peeked around his sister and leaned on the doorframe. "'So, the boy's really going through with it. He's going to settle down with that pretty little girl.' Patrick's face brightened and he stood to his feet to rush over to embrace his uncle. "'Uncle Langlou! I didn't know you'd be here. I thought you'd be off with the long hunters for the season.' Lang Lu gave Patrick a burly hug, patting his nephew on the back. I wouldn't miss your wedding, Pat. I brought my hunters along with me. I told them the first thing to hunt was my nephew's happiness. Then we'd go hunt deer. Besides, you'll need someone to fire up a fiddle for your wedding party while you're dancing with your bride. He leaned in with a wink. Did you woo your pretty girl with that fiddle of yours like I told you? Patrick leaned his head back and laughed. (laughs) I sure did. I want you to meet my long hunters in training for the season, Langlou said, holding out an arm to two young men dressed in frontier clothes. Sorry none of us is dressed in fancy clothes for your wedding, but I knew you wouldn't mind. These are Benjamin and Samuel Crowley. They're from Halifax County. I acquired a fine horse from their father, Jeffrey, on the condition I take his boys with me on the long hunt to train them, just like I did you on our wilderness trips. Patrick held out his hand to the young men. I'm happy to meet you boys. You're in good hands with Uncle Langlu here. He taught me everything I need to know about hunting and surviving in the wilderness. Make sure he tells you all about the ways of the Indians. Thanks, Patrick, Samuel replied, shaking his hand. We can't wait, especially for the Indian part. Congratulations on your wedding, Benjamin added. "'Thank you, boys. Enjoy yourselves today, and be safe out there with this wild man,' Patrick teased. "'You earn that eagle feather yet, Pat?' Langlu asked with a grin. "'Not yet, Uncle,' Patrick replied. "'Maybe one day. For now I've got to settle down and take up farming, so I don't think I'll be a warrior any time soon.' Langlu put a hand on Patrick's shoulder. "'You'll be a warrior in the tobacco fields, Pat. It'll be tough.' but just do your best. Thanks, Uncle. Have fun out there in the wilderness, Patrick replied, pointing to Samuel and Benjamin, and take care of these boys. Lang Lu winked. Don't worry. I'll show them how to track panthers and Indians, just as I did you. It's time to get started, Patrick, came Uncle Patrick's voice as he entered the parlor. Are you ready? Patrick let go a quick breath and went to stand over by the fireplace with his uncle. As ready as I'll ever be. John Shelton rapped on the door where the girls were getting ready. Sally, it's time. The girls opened the door and there stood his beautiful daughter in her bridal dress, her hair pinned up with daisies and ringlets. I'm ready, Papa. John smiled. How beautiful you look. He kissed her on the forehead and whispered in her ear, Are you sure you're ready? "'You can still back out of this. Just say the word.' "'Papa, of course I'm ready!' Sally playfully scolded her father. "'I know you and Mother wish I were older, "'but Patrick and I are ready to start our life together, "'and I'll only be a half-mile down the road from you and Mama.' "'Why do you think I gave you Pine Slash?' John teased. "'I want to keep my girl close.' "'Sally's mother, Eleanor Shelton, came into the room. "'Time to go, Sally!' Patrick is waiting, Uh, both of them. The Shelton home was crowded with family members from the Henry, Shelton, and Winston families, along with their close friends from Hanover. The doors were opened to allow a fresh breeze. Liz walked right in the front door and went over to sit in the corner with Nelson while Nigel scurried behind a chair to keep out of sight. This is a happy day, no? Liz whispered to Nelson. Hi, Liz, Nelson replied. It sure is. Are you going to be with us at Pine Slash? Oui, I plan to present myself to Patrick and Sally there. It is time, Liz replied. Sally and her father walked down the stairs to the hallway as family and friends parted for them to reach the parlor. Patrick's heart was beating out of his chest as his lovely bride walked up to join him in front of the fireplace. Uncle Patrick smiled and placed his hand on his opened Book of Common Prayer to read the marriage ceremony. Patrick and Sally faced one another. Patrick winked at Sally, and her dimples appeared with her bright smile. Dearly beloved, we are gathered together here in the sight of God and in the face of this congregation to join together this man and this woman in holy matrimony, which is an honorable estate instituted of God in the time of man's innocency Signifying unto us the mysterical union that is betwixt Christ and his church, which holy estate Christ adorned and beautified with his presence, and first miracle that he wrought in Cana of Galilee, Uncle Patrick began. Liz's heart filled with joy as she remembered being at that wedding in Cana of Galilee. Jesus did as his mother asked, turning huge jars of water into wine and saving the day for the embarrassed young couple's family who had run out of wine. Jesus loved weddings, celebrating young couples starting their new lives together. Patrick, wilt thou have this woman, to thy wedded wife, to live together after God's ordinance in the holy estate of matrimony? Wilt thou love her, comfort her, honor and keep her in sickness and in health, and, forsaken all other, keep thee only unto her, so long as ye both shall live, Uncle Patrick asked. Patrick looked into Sally's eyes with unspeakable love, and he smiled. I will. Sarah, wilt thou have this man to be thy wedded husband, to live together after God's ordinance in the holiest state of matrimony? Wilt thou obey him, and serve him, love, honor, and keep him in sickness and in health, and forsaken all other, Keep thee only unto him, so long as ye both shall live, Uncle Patrick asked. Sally grinned. I will. Who giveth this woman to be married to this man, Uncle Patrick asked. Her mother and I, John Shelton replied, kissing his daughter on the cheek and placing her hand in Patrick's. Patrick nodded to John with unspoken words of gratitude for the hand of his daughter. Following the instructions of his uncle, Patrick next repeated his vow. I, Patrick, take thee, Sarah, to my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do us part, according to God's holy ordinance. And thereto I plight thee, my troth." Liz's eyes brimmed with happy tears as she now watched her Henry and Sally stand at the threshold of their new life together. She breathed a silent prayer of blessing. Just as you did in Cana, I ask that you also bless this young couple, share Jesus. S'il vous plaît, fill them with a love that will never run dry, despite the coming war and hard times they will face, till death they do part. As the ceremony continued, Samuel Crowley found himself unable to keep his eyes on Patrick and Sally. It wasn't that he couldn't pay attention to the vows they spoke. It was because on the other side of the parlor, he saw for the first time beautiful Elizabeth Strong. And all he could think about was how he wanted to someday say those same words to her. Our young love is flourishing. Ay, it can be. But sometimes it's a good thing, too. No, no, Max. What she meant... Uh, don't bother, mon ami. Uh, ignorance is bliss, We. Oui? Uh, yes, quite. Uh, meanwhile, breaking news, or should I say, breaking in. Nigel P. Monaco reporting, just down the street from Jenny's Corner, where it seems our renowned author Jenny L. Cote is considering coming forward with some curious, perhaps disturbing, news. Liz? We uh, oui, thank you, Nigel. I am here on this scene, as Miss Coty is currently conferring with her favorite Scottish terrier, so let's listen in on her
1: private conversation. I don't know if I should tell them the story or not.
0: It be your decision, lass.
1: What do you think, Max?
0: I think you'll feel better if you get this burden out in
1: the open. I don't know. It be for the best. (sighs) Okay. If I must. It's always good to be bold and tell the truth, right?
0: Hi, lass. Okay, announcer, lad. Do your detective voice. But what was this deep, dark secret that Miss Jenny agonized over? Was she ready to spill the beans, to wipe clean her tawdry slate, and throw herself on the mercy of her loyal listeners? Would she finally, with trembling hands, muster up enough courage to... All right, lad. Close your yap for a wee
1: moment, and we might find out. Okay, kids. Here's my full confession. When I was doing research at Rural Plains, which is the house where Patrick and Sally got married, I accidentally got in big trouble. I didn't mean to, but this is what happened. So they were married in front of this fireplace, right, at Sarah's family house. And so my 90-year-old friend, Bob Blueford said, hey, Jenny, I have a key to the house, would you like to get inside and see where Patrick and Sally stood for their wedding and got married?
0: But where did Bob get this key? And did Bob have the authorization to use the key? Could Bob even be trusted?
1: And I'm like, yes, of course, because the house had passed down the line of Shelton's to the very last family member that owned it, and then they finally sold it to the state to become a museum. And so before it was turned into a museum, it was kind of in limbo. Hmm.
0: Limbo indeed. So she and Bob decided to limbo lower. Limbo lower now. How low would they go?
1: Bob had a key to the house. So Bob and I go up to the house and he opens the door and we hear this beep, beep, beep. I'm like, Bob, do you have the code? He said, what code? I said, Bob? There's a security system in here, and the alarm's getting ready to go off. He says, well, they didn't tell me about that. And he's just pressing the keys on the keypad. And I'm like, Bob, you need a specific code to turn this thing off. And sure enough, wait for it.
0: Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. The alarm went off, and it was so loud that all of Hanover County heard it. So the alarm is screeching and Bob and I are there holding our hands to our ears and within a few minutes, two sheriff deputies come kicking in the door and pulling guns on us. All right, freeze, dirtbags. And I put my hands up and I said, 90-year-old man and author, don't shoot.
0: (laughs) Uh, Barn, just put the gun away. Before I do, which one of y'all's a 90-year-old man? Well, Barn, I don't reckon it's the purty one with the curly hair. Uh Uh-huh. That's just what they want you to believe, Ange. All
1: right, just who are you people? And I said, what, Jenny Cody? And I'm writing a book on Patrick Henry. And they said, ma'am, could you step outside, please? I said, sure. So Bob and I went outside.
0: And so seemingly being cooperative with the authorities, she and Bob stepped outside.
1: And I handed Bob my camera. I said, Bob, get a picture. And so,
0: <laughs> However, sneaking a camera right under their noses. But would this picture one day become her mugshot? No. Oh. oh.
1: And so I explained to them what was going on. We were doing research and help. they had given Bob a key, but neglected to tell him they had put in a security system. And so we got it all sorted out, and I signed books to the officer and thanked them for their service and their time. And then the park ranger finally showed up, and he was the one that was able to turn off the alarm because he had the code.
0: There you have it. True confessions of a serial writer. She don't write about serial. <laughs> Moses daft. Oh, Max. So as you can see... Gathering information for these
1: epic books can bring trials and tribulations, or in Jenny's own words... So sometimes when you're in the trenches doing research, unexpected things happen. And that's exactly what happened when I set off the alarm at Rural Plains.
0: Oui, and Miss Jenny, uh, what is your takeaway? What lessons have you learned from this harrowing experience?
1: I'm not going anywhere with Bob without a code.
0: (laughs) All charges were indeed dropped... And Jenny went on to lead a normal, productive life, free from any more controversy.
1: I didn't mean to.
0: They never do. They never do. For Nigel's News Nuggets, I'm Nigel P. Monaco reporting. Hey, all kidding aside, one of the reasons Jenny's books are so entertaining and authentic is because... She's been there. She's done that. She's poured hours and hours and gone to countless historical sites, walked the same halls, sat in the same seats as those about whom she writes. And you can kind of tell, huh? So, Miss Jenny, thank you for being a good sport today. And thank you all for listening. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please tell a friend. And if you'd love for future audiences to continue to enjoy these stories... Please consider supporting Playful World Ministries through Artists in Christian Testimony, ACT International. And thank you so much. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, a department of ACT International. All of the Epic Order of the Seven characters and adventures were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And remember, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook, The Voice, The Revolution, and the Key, by visiting audible.com. That's www.audible.com. And you can find the entire collection of Jenny L. Cody's Epic Order of the Seven books by going to her website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thank you for listening, and join us next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grand day! A bientot, mes and, me. and ta-ta! And always remember, you are loved and
1: you are able.